It's a crazy world out here, and we are just trying to make sense of it. Broadcasting from the Hip Hop Weekly Studios, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Civic Cipher. I am your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward, and you are listening to Civic Cipher. Indeed you are. Please stick around, because today is a special show for us. I'm going to be uh, be honest. On this show, we talk about domestic issues. We talk about issues that are relevant to black people, brown people, indigenous people, um, LGBTQIA plus people, Asian people, and other marginalized groups. And we're going to take a break from our normal content to discuss um, the war. I hesitate to call it a conflict because it's rather more than that in uh, Palestine and Israel. Um, these are things that have caused a lot of strong reactions online and a lot of people to say a lot of things. And we are not going to use today's episode to um, suggest that anyone feel any way, one way or another, um, because it's a complicated situation. And the more that we look into it, the more complicated we're learning that it is. Um, I have been having some conversations with some people that I respect, uh, who people who are more partial toward the Israeli side of things, people who are more partial toward um, the Palestinian side of things. All of people, all of these people are kind people and and want what's best for the human beings involved. Um, but I think it's our duty, and and at Q's suggestion, we are going to spend today to talk about it. So stick around for that. We are going to do our best with this content and hopefully do right by you our listener but first and foremost like we always do at this time let's start things off with some ebony excellence shall we we shall so today's ebony excellence is sponsored by major threads for innovative fashionable sportswear check majorthreads.com and today's ebony excellence uh we pulled it from black enterprise uh atlanta-based Derek Automotive is an automotive company that designs electric vehicles to provide a truly cheaper to own carbon-free and more convenient solution. Founder Derek Bailey paves this mission forward by celebrating automaking pioneers before him. Uh, Bailey founded his company in Atlanta's Midtown showroom last year, allowing customers to fill the essence of Derek Automotive as they are the first minority-owned electric vehicle company in the industry. This company converts gasoline-powered cars to electric cars with a focus on reducing global carbon emissions. This year, the future of the electric vehicle for Derek Automotive will launch. The prototype vehicles will be equipped with a loop-gen generator system that will charge the car's battery and eliminate charge charging plug-in stations per the company's website. Derek Automotive is devoted to using revolutionary technology that makes a global and social impact more than 100 years after C.R. Patterson and Sons, the first Black-owned auto man manufacturer, made its mark. Um, this is kind of important because, you know, as the world becomes more digitized, as things become more technological it is important that there are black voices in the room that there are black market forces that there are black um, optics in, in these conversations that are being considered and Derek Bailey of course being the first uh, electronic black owned electronic vehicle manufacturer is a person who's checking that box and making sure that we're not forgotten because Lord knows if we were overlooked when it comes to facial recognition 
and the problems that came with that, there could be some problems with this as well. So moving on, um, what we're going to do is we're going to break today's show up into two pieces. Um, first, we're going to talk about Palestine. And uh, the second part of the show, we're going to talk about Israel. Um, and and I, I, the first thing I want to say is that neither one of us are experts. We are, Q is from Detroit. <laughs> I'm from Compton, California. Um, the closest I've ever been to either of these places is Egypt. And that was like a tourist vacation. You know, my name is Ramses, so I had to go there. Um, I love Muslim people. I've spent time in Muslim countries. Uh, I think that Islam is a religion of peace. I think it's the most beautiful religion in the world. Um, and I'm not a religious person, but just as a as an observer of the beauty and the culture that religion tends to encompass, um, I can say those things with a certainty. Um, while I'm here, I will say that, you know, I grew up with Jewish people. I, I believe that Jewish people have been the kindest to me that I've ever met. Um, I've always felt welcome in in Jewish people's homes and circles and temples and, you know, um, other places of worship and special sort of events and holidays. Um, I don't eat pork because I love both of these groups of people. And I always want to be able to share a meal at a table with my Muslim brothers and sisters or my Jewish brothers and sisters. With that said, I don't want this to sound like I'm taking a side Q's not taking a side. This is not what we're here to do, but rather to explain sort of what's happening and perhaps why people over here so far away are so um, upset and feel so connected to this. So again, we're starting with Palestine here. Um, yeah. First things first. Um there's a history here that goes back thousands of years. These are things that I didn't know because I haven't had to really wrap my head around this stuff until recently. Um, there's been conflict here going back a very, very long time. And there's been a lot of lives lost as a result of these conflicts. And of course, you know, the people on the ground feel how they feel. Um, I don't believe that there's anybody who's wrong or right it, overall, I believe there are individual actors or, or smaller groups that are that could be considered terrorist groups, sure, um, that do heinous things, sure. Um, but in terms of the Muslims and the Jews, there's no one's wrong. In terms of Palestine and Israel, there's no one wrong. Um, there are people who are in government, people, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I had a conversation with um, Ami Horowitz that I'll get into a little bit more in the second part of the show. But um, I asked him a question that I believe um, suggests how I feel about this. And I, I asked him, you know, you've, I says, you told me how the governments feel. You've told me how these actors feel, the state, the officials. How do the people feel? Do the people feel like we don't like Jews or we don't like Muslims? And he says, some do. Absolutely. But a good number of people don't feel that way. They are, they've elected officials to represent their interests. Um, and the, 
the the connection that I made is that if we rewind the clock three, four years ago, would Donald Trump represent Ramses's feelings on literally anything? And the answer would be no. Ramses is a human being on the ground who happens to be an American. Donald Trump is the, at that point in time, was the elected leader of the country. And so he was able to speak for the country um, in a way that painted all of us with two broader strokes. And so uh, while we're talking about the people of Palestine, um, I don't want this to devolve. It, it would never with me and you, Q, but I don't want anyone listening to feel as though this conversation is headed toward devolving into the people of Palestine are right and the people of Israel are wrong, because that's not it. Nor are the people of Israel right and the people of Palestine wrong. Um, this is just a conflict and there's a lot of human rights violations and things like this that really need to be discussed. I, I think the interesting thing about saying this is just a conflict is it, it, it makes it sound too simple and straightforward. Okay. Yeah. Help me out. Um, what happens, what is happening here, we've seen happen throughout history. We can go back to biblical times and, you know, BC where there's an othering of a group of people to legitimize inhumane treatment of those people, mm -hmm. right? So this conflict um, kind of hit an accelerator October 7th when a terrorist organization um, started killing people. Mm -hmm. And Israeli civilians and soldiers um, were killed, cold-blooded, in what is being called a terrorist attack. Sure, sure. And because there was already a pre-existing othering happening, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the, the rights and treatment of Palestinian people in that part of the world, where they can walk on the street, you know, how they are handled by Israeli military and the rights that they are denied. It's not about Jewish people versus Palestinian people. It's about some people in power othering another group and using that to justify inhumane treatment, right? So if you can convince people that black people are dogs, that Muslims are dogs, that anybody who thinks, loves, and prays different than you is a lesser form of creation than you are, then treating them like less doesn't feel as bad. Uh, the really interesting thing and important thing about all of the images that are coming out of that region is that it should not matter how you love, think, or pray when you see a father rocking the lifeless body of his baby. Everything in you that's human should wake up in that moment. Mm -hmm. That that father should not be less heartbroken because he doesn't pray the way that you do or love the way that you do yeah. or look the way that you do. So the reason why I thought it was important to have this conversation is exactly what you said. We are not here to say this group is right and this group is wrong. Just that everyone should agree that a baby should not be killed by a missile while in the hospital or while in its home, not in a war zone, not participating in any type of conflict. Mm -hmm. Wars happen between governments and their militaries. But there are rules and laws with regards to war. Um, even talking about war that way makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, because there's amounts of murder that we're okay with as long as it's a part of the 
as long as it's a part of the war. Yeah. yeah, you can kill as many people as you want over there because they're participating. Murder should feel messed up. No matter what. No matter what. Yeah. Even as a retaliation to harm being done to you. Even yeah. as a means of protecting your family. Yeah. I was having a conversation with some recently, someone recently about how I know I would feel if someone broke into my house and tried to harm my children and I killed them. Yeah. In the moment, yes, I am protecting my family. Afterwards. But as soon as my family is safe, I've killed someone. It's a horrible feeling. And that would be such an impossible thing to reconcile. That is that is not even a just punishment for trying to harm me. Man, listen. If there's a way to get you off of me and off of my family, restrain you or whatever the case without the your worst yeah. possible outcome, I'd love that. Now, I understand that there are times when that is not the option. You don't have the time to think about that. You don't have the tools to facilitate that in a way that's, you know, let me take care of this person that's trying to harm me yeah. or those I care about. Let yeah. me make sure I'm being graceful to them. And in that moment, that might not be the case. Yeah. But I, the, I, we've become because of, uh, kind of our militarization. Uh, our military has a great marketing department. Let me say it like that. Mm-hmm. So video games, movies, it makes the military look like a really cool thing. And I think it's a necessary thing. And I think that those who enlist voluntarily to defend us are incredible people. Right. But a lot of them come back from war. Different. Different. Yeah. Because murder is murder. And most of the times our governments, I don't just mean ours in the U.S. I mean, collectively as human beings, justify murder as a means to protect wealth and resources not human life and the, the the defense of our rights to survive. But yeah, over there, there's some stuff that they own that we want or that we own that they want. And as a measure of deciding who's going to own that piece of land, those resources that are in that land, we're going to murder each other until one of the groups decides, okay, we've lost too much. You got it. We've been seeing this for our whole lives. So we're kind of numb to that idea. But, you know, part of, of, you know, why Vietnam became so unpopular is because some very, very brave journalists and people went over there to get images of it so that we could see how bad it was. Yeah. Because even though we determined that Vietnamese people were our enemy at that time, when we started to see how our soldiers and their soldiers were being affected and impacted and and their people and our people being affected and impacted by that war, it became far less popular. And I think it's very important that there are so many journalists, creators, activists sharing content from over there because it's easy to say, yeah, that group attacked them. So they just attacked them back. Well, that's not fair. Right. When the, when the Ku Klux Klan, attacks marches you know harms a black person we do not get to collectively say that white people as a whole are terrorist or bad people when there is a bad faith actor that belongs to a group the entire group should not become a part of the retaliation or the justice or the judgment of the bad faith actor i'm glad you said so that. just like in the wake of 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 9-11 Oh, yeah. Trying to put this veil over all Islamic and Muslim people as being terrorists was grossly irresponsible, but a lot of people did it. 
lack of information, but also a readiness to other and hate. We're primed. So it doesn't even take much to point at a group, right? When our, when our former president called, you know, COVID-19, the Chinese flu, a group was ready to be angry and to other Asian people and harm them. We saw it happen in real time because we made an enemy of them. So people have found out a masterful way to other people to make them less than so that they can easily justify and, and, and reconcile inhumane treatment of those people. Something that black people in this country have unfortunately been dealing with for the entirety of this country's foundation. Let's do this. So there's an individual named Gabriel Miller. He gave a passionate speech at the Chicago city council. Um, and he kind of spoke to a lot of what you said, a lot of what was being misrepresented in journalism. Initially, we were under the impression that uh, the terrorist group Hamas, mm-hmm. I- I'll say they're a terrorist group because they attacked innocent oh, people no, at, the, at the, uh, the concert. I know that much is true. Um, they said that they were beheading babies and they used that falsehood to justify the response from Israel, right? So this guy, Gabriel... And that response not being targeted at that group. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yeah. comprehensively and collectively yeah. wipe out all Palestinians as a re- as a response to this small group. Sure, sure, exactly. So so I want to play this clip. It's a, it's a good while, but listen to it because I think that he says it best um, what people who feel like Palestine... We need to pay attention to Palestine, too. This is what those people might feel like. So let's play this. Hello, and thank you for uh, having us uh, uh, to, to provide our comment. I would I, I would like to add my voice to the chorus here today in opposition to this ridiculous resolution. At a time when the rest of the world is condemning Israel for committing war crime after war crime, Chicago is fiddling around on whether to condemn Hamas. By doing so, Chicago will be doing its part in enabling the genocide of Palestinians. And this resolution acts like it's on the side of innocent civilians. So in that case, I'd like to add, are you considering a resolution condemning Israel for what, using white phosphorus against the civilian population? Are you considering condemning Israel for its planned war crime of forced removal of one million Palestinians from northern Gaza? Are you going to condemn them for cutting off food, water, and electricity to Gaza? Another war crime called collective punishment. Did it ever cross your mind to condemn Israel when they assassinated Palestinian journalist Shireen Abu Akleh in broad daylight or when they brutalized the people carrying her coffin peacefully or when Israeli snipers killed innocent peaceful protesters throughout the March of Return? Did the people in office before you ever consider condemning Israel at any point since its inception wouldn't cram a country full of people into a 60-mile corner of their own country creating the largest concentration camp in history, the largest open-air prison in the world? The answer is a resounding no. You never considered it, nor did your ancestors. But unfortunately for you, times have changed. The world is increasingly aware of the crimes of Israel and increasingly aware of the framework of politicians who enable their continued apartheid by resolutions such as these. And in a city like Chicago, with majority black and brown people who have experienced the apartheid-like conditions of oppression in the United States, a generation of young people have emerged who understand immediately that we have everything in common with the Palestinian people and nothing in common with the brutal Zionists under who they suffer. A generation of people who are not surprised when we find out that our politicians, up to our president, spread lies about 40 babies being beheaded in order to rationalize genocide. We're only surprised that they're forced to walk those lies back 
But of course, the damage is done. People are still spewing the debunked lies about rape and massacre of babies, even here in this very meeting, when actually there is endless evidence of Israel having killed over 500 babies in the last 48 hours alone, having dropped more bombs in 24 hours than the U.S. dropped on Afghanistan in one year. And finally, let it be known that condemning the attack as the actions of some fringe group misses the point of what's going on. The attacks were carried out by a broad coalition of groups from every section of Palestinian society, not just Hamas. That coalition represents a people determined to attain freedom at any cost, and they have arrived at this point in the face of a broad coalition of right-wing Zionists and their supporters like those in the city council who would start a meeting with a prayer calling for their attempt at freedom, a second Holocaust, where I'm so silent you could hear a rap on cotton when innocent, peaceful Palestinians are annihilated day in and day out like the Native Americans of this country. If it were another time, these same people would be condemning Africans for rebelling against their slave masters during slavery, such as Nat Turner or in the Haitian Revolution. Thank you. Sorry. I know, I know you're going to have something to say. That's your first time hearing that, right? Yes, that is. Okay, so your initial thoughts there. Um, I think some things that he said were were very important. Uh, using words like Zionism, yeah. right? Because what is? I don't know what that means. Well, you'll hear people speak about this being anti-Semitic, right? Having yeah. empathy towards Palestinian babies being murdered makes you anti-Semitic. Yeah. And what he pointed out was Zionism, and that's the idea that all of the land in that region belongs to the people of Jerusalem and Israel. Mm-hmm. And that they should be able to forcefully take that land over, okay. which is not the same thing as just being Jewish and practicing your faith and, and believing in love for all people. Okay. Uh, you were saying about your treatment by Jewish friends that you have. Uh-huh. We have some mutual Jewish friends, some of the best people that we've ever yeah, come yeah. across. Um, I think love for all humanity is a much more accurate way to paint the way that Jewish people feel. Mm-hmm. But you have extremists on both sides of this debate. Does Zionist mean sides. a Jewish extremist? Is that what that means? Um, I can get you the exact definition for that if you would like. Sure, sure. Um, well, let me, while you're looking that up, let me say this. So that was one part of it. And that was a person, obviously, who felt very strongly about the treatment of the Palestinian people. And I don't think that person was wrong. So Zionism, by definition, a movement for originally reestablishing and now developing uh, protection of a Jewish nation in what is now Israel. It was established as a political organization in 1897 under Theodore Herzl and was later led by, I think, Kaim Wiseman. Okay, so it's either a political party or an extremist group, one of the two. I don't know. I'm not going to speak on that. But I do want to say that we've played the audio from this one. We're going to play some audio from John Stewart. And I'm going to recall some, a conversation that I had on the black information network, which is up still with Ami Horowitz, uh, who's also Jewish, John Stewart and, and him uh, both coming up. 